Field. It's Joshua Michael here with our metal report number two. We're featuring Through Miss. We have the mastermind, the left and the right brain, which is James from the band, who is the band, actually pulled the ultimate swerve on us. Austin, it was me all the time. The song is killer. The concept is amazing. And we got Psycho of the Week, guys. Let's get to it. Right afterwards, we are featuring their song, Sporogenesis. And an amazing interview with this very nice gentleman that I'm very proud to call friends. Guys, here we go. Welcome, Mime Fielders and Puppet Army, to another edition of Psycho of the Week. I'm Veritas Suicide of the band Suicide Puppets. This week's Psycho of the Week is none other than Albert Fish. Albert Fish, the werewolf of Hysteria. Born May 19, 1870, Hamilton Howard Albert Fish in Washington, D.C., the youngest of four. His father was 43 senior, his mother. Upon his death, his mother could no longer support the family, and he was taken into the care of St. John's Orphanage. Taunted by the children and nicknamed Ham and Eggs, he began to go by Albert in lieu of a deceased brother. Eventually, back in the care of his mother, after she obtained a decent job, Albert started, Albert started early by sending obscene letters to women advertising in singles classifieds. Albert liked them young. Working as a painter and handyman, he would often spy on children undressing in local public bathrooms, and like every silly killer, the fantasy became too much and he decided to act. Blessing children was his preferred M.O., especially those that were mentally handicapped and African-American children, because he thought that his crime against them were the least likely to be investigated. One particular young man that caught Albert's fancy was Thomas Keaton. Albert had become obsessed with castration, and unfortunately, Thomas was the victim of this obsession. He tortured Thomas for two weeks in a barn, eventually severing his penis with a pair of scissors and kept it as a souvenir. Rather than kill Thomas, he tended to his wounds and gave him $10 for his troubles. It is unknown what happened to Thomas. He was also known as the Gray Man. He boasted later that he had victims in every state. He would visit families across the country as a rich industrialist and offer to board a child and pay for their education and stay. These children were never seen again. Albert was subjected to an arranged marriage by his mother. He did not abuse his children, but he did subject them to his fancy of self-harm. He would play games with them that he would intentionally lose, and as his punishment, the children were to hit him with a spiked paddle. His wife would eventually leave him, along with nearly all their possessions. The strain of the rejection drove him to deeper into madness. In 1928, he was masquerading as a man looking for workers for his company. It was at this time he met young Edward Budd. While discussing the terms of employment, Edward's daughter Grace entered the room. Immediately 
was striking his fancy, Albert offered to take Grace to his sister's birthday party, where she could meet other children. He took her to an abandoned home, exposed himself, strangled, beheaded, dismembered, and cannibalized the young girl. Eight years later, an anonymous letter arrived at the Bud's home detailing the grisly details of the Grace demise. He bragged, first I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat, my rooms, cook, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though I could have, if I wished. She died a virgin. The letter led police right to him. After medical examination, x-rays revealed many long needles inserted into his groin. Claiming insanity, he was convicted irregardless. He was the oldest man to be executed by electric chair in New York's notorious Sing Sing prison. For all this, minefielders and puppet army is why Albert Ham and Eggs Fish is our psycho of the week.
Good man. James, happy anniversary, man. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to hear your voice, man. How you been? I've been good, man. I've been good. Very busy, actually, but very good. I was wondering how to start the podcast, and I was thinking, like, you know, I'm really proud of us. Like, um, I met you through Belanger, and of all the people in the world that I associate with, all of us have really been going full force through the pandemic. Yeah, big time, man. You have no choice, otherwise you're going to go nuts. Yeah, like, uh, Minefields is kicking ass. My uh, my partner in, in Minefields bought a Fed. Um, <laughs> we... Uh, you, you're doing through Miss. You're doing Sinistry. Uh, Blanchard started Lethal Comics. Like that's a lot. Yeah, man, it is a lot. It is a hell of a lot. Yeah, well, ha- it's good. Happy anniversary and uh, way to fucking swerve us through Miss. It was you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, man. I just uh, I decided to start the to start through Miss because. Uh, I mean, I, I was writing some stuff, but it didn't fit into like Sinistry's uh, sound. Yeah. And then, like, just something inside me was like, you know what? Just start building your social media and don't, don't like give away who you are yet. And I was just like a shadow. So I was like, fuck it. So just throw it on and uh, and build this like behind the scenes type of thing, you know? So. Well, I'm I'm proud of you, man. I listened to the tracks. Like hell yeah, it, it kicks ass. It's definitely different. Um, it was funny. I, uh, it, it it goes to show to never ever treat anyone as like nobody because there was this through miss dude constantly commenting on my shit, and I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to check you out, and I was more than pleasantly surprised about uh, who the hell you were. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was me all along. That's right, Austin. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I figured I was like dropping little hints and like you're not the only person who um, who had that reaction because a couple of my friends uh, like no one knew who like that I'd started this side project besides like my wife and a handful of uh, like even my bandmates in Sinistry didn't know because like we were kind of like um, taking like a bit of a, a little bit of a pause yeah. for a few months and um then I was just, just like, okay, let me start this thing. I didn't bother telling anyone. And, like, randomly, like, some of my friends were getting, like, friend requests or, like, followed from, uh, from, from um, through Miss Instagram. They're like, who is this person? Why are they posting pictures of forests and stuff? And, like, what is it? Like, who is it? I'm like, I don't know. Hasn't sent me a friend request. <laughs> was it liberating? Yeah. Uh, it was good. Yeah, it was, uh, it took a lot of the edge off, to be honest with you. Because, like, when, like, we restarted uh, Sinistry, like, I guess everyone knew that we were restarting Sinistry. Everyone that we knew was was, uh, was aware of it. And I guess, like, that had one type of dynamic and expectation. And starting through Miss, I was, like, a little bit unsure what type of sound I was looking for. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just me uh, doing everything. And... I was like, okay, which direction am I going to go with this? What am I going to do with this exactly? What is the point of this? What's the goal of this? Et cetera. And I, I was like, you know what? Let's just leave it a little bit amb- ambiguous, like the way the mist is ambiguous. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the way I was uh, I was taking it, man. Just uh, slowly, slowly just build, uh, build the thing up like that. 
It, it sounded it sounds 100% organic. I mean, and was it soul searching as well? Uh, a little bit. It was, you know what it is? It was the fact that we, like all of us in this industry had taken like a decade off or whatever it was. And when I started writing these songs, it was um, a way to say, you know what? There's like a certain amount of um, of songs that maybe were in me or these ideas that were in me, but I just didn't uh, really, uh, really like get out, uh, like out of my brain into like an actual thing. And with that, I just decided, you know what, screw it. Like whatever comes, comes, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the the most of it. So it was a, it was an experiment, that's for sure, at the beginning, and like a lot of uh, a lot of growing pains. So was it? I had gone. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I apologize. I, I get excited sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I actually lost my thought. I was just, just thinking about like uh, I'm actually kind of jealous because. Uh, with minefields, it's it's not like too rigid. It's just that you know it's a, it's a group collaboration, and you know we all have to we all do our own part, you know, for for, mm-hmm. the, for the idea. But now that you've got through Miss, like, where did you come with the name? So I was um, originally I wanted to create like a bit of an atmospheric project, like um, kind of like a black metal style project. But it kind of like di- diverged a bit from there, um, as you're going to hear in the next like little while. So I was saying to myself, you know, like what, like what's a good atmospheric name? What's a good like atmospheric style, like vibe and or whatever? And like the mists were the idea of of mist, just like kind of, kind of like just kept coming up to me, like you know, recurring to me every time I would look at a, at a picture, an image, and I'd be like, you know what, this is the type of vibe I'm going for. And then obviously I looked through the internet to make sure like no one had used the name. Yeah. So, yeah. And <laughs> I was like, okay, you know what? No one's used the name. Uh, name sounds pretty cool. I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with this. And I think it gives me a little bit of, uh, of creative freedom too, a little bit because I could kind of mold it into whatever I want because like the mist is, uh, it's not solid. Right. So it's like in between like solid and liquid. Yeah. So it's when it's, yeah, exactly. And without actually being the band Amorphous, I, I could uh, <laughs> play around with it as I want. So that's kind of where uh, where the Through Mist name came from. I really, I really got excited because I love when good bands uh, decide to to branch out. Whether you know, two of them start a, a you know a side band. Like the first thing that popped in my head was how much I enjoyed Chino Marino's side projects, like Team Sleep and Crosses mm-hmm. and completely different from what Deftones are or is and it it especially gets me on the jazz because I like hearing artists talk about experimenting from something that they know is a tried and true successful formula mm, yeah big time was it scary it's good to, uh, uh, well it was scary in the fact that like I didn't have anyone to, to filter through so I didn't have really anyone that um that I could bounce ideas off of um, the first, like the first song that I released is uh, is self-produced, so it was a bit of a like a weird a weird path that got me to actually releasing that song. So like I wrote um, enough material for uh, a full length, and I was trying to do that like all on my own, and 
it, like it ended up not being what, the, the sound that I wanted it to, to have. So uh, one of my friends is actually uh, finishing up the, the full length uh, now with uh, him, like him and his partner, uh, these guys here in Montreal, Studio 9. Um, so they're, uh, they're working on that. And in the meantime, I just kept writing songs. So I had like a ton of, a ton of material that I was working on. And he was giving me pointers on how to sell, like how to produce, not just to write, but like to actually like get the recording and the sound that you want uh, in the mixing and the mastering and stuff. So I was just like playing around more and more and more. And I was like, you know what? He's working on the full length. And then I have a couple of, uh, a couple of other songs that have like a similar theme to them. Okay. Maybe I can make an EP out of them. And I actually found a couple of, of uh, random people, like people I met randomly on, uh, on Facebook, uh, offering like free mixing services. So they're like, you know, like uh, we need to build our portfolio. Send me uh, if you want, send me a song. I'll mix it for you in the next couple of weeks. So I found like two guys that uh, that did that for two of the songs. And another song was uh, through this guy on Instagram that uh, that approached me, and then. The fourth song on the on the EP, which is going to be coming out soon, is uh, is self-produced. So, all this to say, like I took a little bit of knowledge from everyone. I took like whatever was applicable to me, and I basically self-produced the the, the debut single there, Sporogenesis. And that's uh, that's how it is, man. Like I, I guess I started from like the third step and worked my way back, but. Yeah, I had this uh, this idea that the thing would be um, would be, I guess, just something that would perpetuate itself, and in a way, it's doing that. So it's good to see that in like the the early stages. You know, there's like some traction on social media. There's um, you know, there's positive response for the song. There's uh, there's a lot coming too. Like I have uh, I have a lot of songs written. It was good because, like, I could write them myself and just, like, get all the ideas down. And then I would listen back to them and, like, actually, like, having them in, like, pre-production and, like, just listening to them in the car, you know, on the way to work or driving through town or whatever it is. And it gave me, like, a different perspective on how to approach actually writing them. And even before, like, I wrote uh, anything, any lyrics or any vocals or anything like that, which was, like, kind of different for me because like as you know I was I'm the vocalist in industry even though like I would write some music it was I was mostly focused on the vocals but now it's okay you have to do everything so good uh, good steep learning curve but uh, it was nice where'd you get the inspiration for the lyrics if, if you don't mind like telling us a little bit about like the the subject matter that you're singing about yeah so um, the the full length which was the first uh, the first piece of material that I was working on is focused on, um, I guess, basically a traveler, like an un- unnamed traveler uh, going through the forest. So, like, he's in the forest and he's seeing um, the way the forest is changing and uh, the change in himself. And he's looking at um, just how everything uh, unfolds and the way maybe, like, uh, nature gets, uh, goes through changes, whether it's from humans or whether it's from nature itself. So, like, that that kind of, like, was a little bit of a retrospective thing for me, like, for the time that I had off in, uh, for music, I kind of, like, 
took a bunch of ideas and uh, feelings like when I had gone on hiatus and I equated that to like the imagery of the forest, like going through the forest, it's a little bit of a maze. And then like you end up at like, um, at a certain point where you're at the the forest's edge and you have to choose like, which way are you going to go? And building off of that subject matter, I had, um, I had like those lyrics like in the can and like getting processed. So when I write, when I wrote the other songs for the the debut single and then the EP, um, the debut single was uh, was actually inspired by the lyrics I'd written for the the album. And I was like, you know, it's sporogenesis. Uh, you know, the spores, the fungus is taking over the forest. It's gonna eat the trees and like create its own system within the forest. So maybe like that was the actual like change that I was seeing. And I equated it back to myself and like my own, my own experiences. And I thought to myself, you know what, maybe like this, the fungus I'm talking about in the forest is actually like the seeds of doubt or, or something that I subconsciously carried with myself, um, like earlier in life and which led for me to taking my hiatus from music. And the EP, it kind of like, it kind of like, uh, not really sidesteps, but it, it kind of is in that same line where it's about um, the island of Komodo and uh, maybe the surrounding area and a little bit of like, the folklore in, uh, in Indonesian culture with like Garuda and, and the demon queen Ranga and the Komodo dragons, obviously. So you know, that's where those three first releases... I know I'm, I'm, I'm a bit all over the place, Josh, I know, but... Like it's a, it was a little bit of uh, jumping back and forth to get like these first three like releases like ready. So, I I disagree in terms of uh, being all over the place. Number one, do you realize now you're a full blown sto- storyteller? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm completely on the jazz from this right now because I'm uh, minefielders. If you're listening to this, we're hearing, and I really hope I. I I wanted to, you know, obviously put you over because you always put me over and, you know, we, we've, we've grown a good relationship since we, we met. But now we're hearing your actual evolution as it's happening. And, and you're starting from self-doubt to finding the spe- specifics of, of different cultures that call to you. And you're putting it all together as your own thing. And this is wonderful. I'm so happy for you right now, man. This is awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. The the idea of a concept album, and you know, like you, 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 I, I'm looking through my records right now while while we were while you were telling me that because I wanted to find some of the concept albums that are my favorite, and I I go through my I've got my treasured gems by my bed. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's my shot A record. Here's uh, my garbage record. Uh, you know, but then I landed on Winter Kills by Devil Driver. That was a concept mm-hmm. album. Uh, the White Pony, a, a concept album. It's not about like feelings and me and my girl had a fight. And you know, it, none, none of these songs were written in terms of like, a, you know, I really hope someone connect connect with this uh, on a personal level for this specific emotion, but rather tell a story. Like, like the the first track on White Pony, Fetisaria, um It's it's about Stockholm syndrome. It's about being kidnapped, thrown in a trunk, let out, and then falling in love with your kidnapper. Where does that come from? And and it's it it doesn't have those resonations in in regards to something you can relate to unless you're looking for something artistic 
to go on a journey with, and this mm. is excellent. Uh, tell me some. All right, so 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 we're talking about the the idea of thumus, you, you the amorphous idea. You're talking about uh, uh, Far East culture. Well, what what particularly called to you for that? Well, I'd actually gone to um, to Thailand and Indonesia like uh, back like two years back to back. So I'd gone to uh, Thailand for uh, my honeymoon, and uh, we went to Indonesia the year after. And it was just so I don't know, man. Because like, listen, my wife and I are both like of Greek origin, so I'd gone to Greece. I'd seen like the ruins and uh, all of the cultural stuff there, and then we decided to go to. Um, to, uh, to Thailand and we explored like a lot of the, the stuff there with the, you know their temples uh, we checked the, like we just saw a lot of a lot of stuff that was in a way I guess complementary to like let's say the ancient Greek stuff and like for, for me it, like it struck a chord because like especially when we went to Indonesia um, we went to Jakarta which is probably like the most densely populated city in the in the world I think Mm-hmm. And dude, I've been I've been in in and around New York um, a few times, and like the day and a half that I was in Jakarta was like something else. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of people there, man, and there's like a lot of stuff going on all at once. Um, but then when we went to um, we went to Bali and we went to the the water temples and we saw the Tree of Life. Uh, we saw a whole we saw a whole bunch of temples. We went to like the monkey temple, where literally in the city of Ubud, there's a giant temple with like a thousand monkeys, and they can tell you like if you go in there with like sunglasses or a cell phone or whatever, and the monkey takes it, like that's it. Like you lost uh, you lost your sunglasses, you lost your cell phone. Like don't touch the baby monkeys, don't look at them in the eye directly. You know, like don't try to feed them. Like they will mess you up. And like, there's a thousand of them, and like, there's so many of them that they're actually like going out of the temple and like into the town and like stealing like people's laundry or <laughs> or, or food. Yeah, man. Like, there was like a monkey that I saw like that hopped the fence and like went into like some guy's yard and he just like grabbed like a t-shirt or something off the guy's clothesline and just bounced. What the hell is this? That's like, on that's planet how, Earth. That's, that's <laughs> on planet Earth, man. That's on planet Earth. It's only, uh, it's like I don't know. It's the only place I'd seen it, but uh, like it, it like really like uh, struck a chord with me. And then when we went to see the Komodo dragons, you know, like we were, we took a boat from, um, like we flew from Bali to uh, this little, well, little town, but the island is gigantic. Like Indonesia as a country is, is gigantic, but. We went to a place called Labuan Bajo, which um, has, I think, two hotels and, like, five hostels. And we stayed at, like, the nice hotel, and then it had, like, the nice restaurant in it, quote-unquote. And right next to us, the other hotel had, like, the nice bar, which basically was, like, a rooftop terrace, and we can get a couple of beers or something. But when we went to see the Komodo Dragons, like, we, we went, like, by boat and like we stayed in um, like in the boat for like three days uh you know the tour guide like they had uh, like they had food for us they would prepare us like lunch and dinner uh, we would go like on hikes we went scuba diving on scuba diving we went snorkeling like a couple of times um, we saw the, the komodo dragons up close like on the island of komodo and the island of rinka 
And like that was crazy, man. Like we like to see these things, like they're so gigantic and they don't like they don't care if you're there, they don't care if you're not there, like because to them like they're the apex predator, right? So mm-hmm. like if if you get too close and they chomp you, like that's it. Like too bad, so sad. And like you can't like go to a doctor, like you're in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, depending but, on depending on the monkey, they will fuck you up. I've read that like some like when the older like Michael Jackson had to get rid of bubbles because he was getting oh, yeah. violent. Like they'll they'll rip your lips, they'll rip your dick off. I mean, they know what you cherish. Um, oh yeah. And was that scary? A little bit, a little bit. Um, well, when we were walking through uh, the monkey temple, for example, like my wife uh, was like terrified. She didn't want to look at any of them, like at all, because she was scared that like, she was going to piss one of them off or something. They were going to attack us. Like it took her a while, like to uh, to warm up to it. But when we were with the Komodo, at the Komodo dragons, uh, I look at the guy, like the tour guide, and I'm like, "Listen, uh, how safe is this? Like, uh, people come here all the time." So, like, okay, whatever. And uh, we're walking, and he has this this long stick. It's just like this really, really big, like thick, I don't know if it's bamboo or what it was, but it was like this big, thick piece of wood. And at the end, it had like two prongs. So it was like a Y. Yeah. And I'm like, what's that? And, yeah, and he's like, what? I'm like, what's that? He's like, oh, this is in case the Komodo dragons come at us. I'm like, well, what do you do? He's like, I pin it down from the head. I'm like, okay, well, what if there's more than one? And he's like, oh, no, no, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, okay. All right. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's cool. And we're like, we're in the tour, and then my wife asks him, she's like, um, have people been eaten by the Komodo dragons? And he's like, ah, listen, since 1978, I think only 22 people have gotten eaten. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. He's like, but it was mostly children. I'm like, uh, that doesn't make it better, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever, man. Like, that's cool. Our life is in your hands, kind of. But, you know, like, you don't do anything stupid around those things, man. Like, it's, it's a, literally a dragon, you know, like. It has, uh, it's venomous or poisonous. I don't know what the difference between that, that, but if it bites you, like you're done, you know, and these things are like big and chubby, but they could run like, like 50 miles an hour or something like that, or like 25 miles an hour. So yeah. it's something crazy, way faster than what we can. And like they're, um, they're like carnivorous. So like, it's the weirdest thing, dude, like the, the female lays eggs and, it takes them like eight or nine months to uh, to hatch. So for like the eight months, the female will like guard her like I don't know how many eggs she lays in uh, at a time. Yeah. Because the, the males will come and try to eat the female and try to eat the eggs, or like even other females. But the second the babies are born, the female tries to eat the babies that she was guarding for eight months. So the baby Komodo dragons have to run up the tree and like hide in the tree. That's like interesting. It's, it's, bro, it's, so, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, they eat each other, like, no problem. And, the like, I asked the ranger, like, how do you know how many uh, dragons are on the thing? He's like, oh, okay, we monitor them. Like, okay, what about the other animals? Like, because there's, like, bison and uh, deer and, like, all this other weird stuff. Uh, weird, like, other, like, really cool animals on there, too. Yeah. And, uh, like, war- warthogs also. And he's like, well, he's like, you see that pile of poop? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, that's brown. So that's like something that's not a Komodo dragon. That pile of poop there that's white is a Komodo dragon. How how do you tell the difference? Because the Komodo dragons eat everything besides the head 
So they'll eat like the they'll eat the meat, like the flesh, but they'll also eat the fur and the hooves and the bones of the animal and that the they're organs. eating. And the organs and everything, man. Like everything besides the head. So what they do is like they see where the Komodo dragon has pooped where it's like chalky because all the stuff's in there. Um, and then they they see like whatever the, the head or skull is left over. Like let's say it's a warthog. And they'll say, okay, we had like, I don't know, 200 warthogs on this island. Now we have like 199 because we found a warthog head. And like they just like they audit like the the animals like that like by where they find the heads and like there's even like a like a, a thing where they have like the heads lined up like skulls of, of the animals that have gotten eaten and we're just like wow like this is such a wild system you know like this is like nature's uh nature's power with like minimal human interaction just enough to keep these things alive you know like not get hunted or whatever uh but yeah, man, it's it was just something. It was just so much, um, like controlled ferocity. I would say, you know, because like these things, if they wanted to, like you're done. Like we even saw, like on the uh, while we were leaving the the second island, we saw a warthog go in between like five komodo dragons that were just they were just chilling, man. They were just sitting there in the middle of uh, of the entranceway. And this warthog just comes through and is standing there. And my wife's like, okay, we have to leave. I don't want to see this. I'm like, listen, I don't want to see it get eaten. But if it happens, I don't want to miss it either. Yeah. You know? And so like, we're standing there, like, waiting, like, 10 minutes. And then I was like, you know what? This is sick now. Like, we got to get out of here. Like, they're not going to eat it to this. I mean, like, I'm kind of wanting them to eat it. So, like, let's, <laughs> let's just get out of here. <laughs> Concept. But it was great, man. Yeah, we saw that. And we saw the story of Josh. One last thing. We saw the 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 pink beach so there's only like seven pink beaches in uh, in the world i believe and uh, they're like protected sites and it's because like the coral is like nice and red and it breaks off and it it becomes like it mixes with the sand so like the sand becomes pink and it's like i i don't know man i've been to like a few different places with like really nice beaches but like this was something else and like we just spent like the whole like rest of the day there like we saw the dragons and we stayed there and we saw like baby warthogs like walking around like eating eating grass and stuff and it was nuts man it this, was nuts and like just that whole thing is crazy this is gorgeous i'm looking this up I, i've been to iceland i've been to the black beaches i've been mm-hmm. i've been to guam where it's just like walking into a mirror but a pink beach this mm-hmm. is wonderful like yeah man how could you not get inspired i mean like what you're telling me the story about the the the, the komodo dragons are like I immediately thought of like a story of like the the warm tenderness of being cared for for eight months in an egg, and mm-hmm. and immediately once my arrival happens to be devoured by my mother, like that's yeah, <laughs> like, that's brutal, bro. <laughs> that's that's fucking metal as shit, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, nature is metal, man. Like, there's no way, no two ways about it. Uh, Wow, this these pink beaches are gorgeous. Yeah, you're. Uh, I've never even heard of these before. Um, how how through those experiences, how how are those translating into your music into your story? So I I took um, like the ideas, basically everything like I mentioned. Now I kind of took um, like little bits and pieces and like applied the like the actual factual information into the the concept web. So 
you know, like the it's a jungle, right? But I mean, jungle forest, very. I guess it's kind of similar if you wanna if you wanna take a little bit of liberty as a storyteller, and yeah. um, you know, so but you know, the spores would be like taking over the forest, same way that like you know the dragons are uh, are running the place in Komodo. And then you have like the mythical being of uh, of Garuda, who's uh, I guess he's the chariot of the gods because like he carried like Vishnu into battle against the um, uh, I forget I forget like their their final boss's name in um, in their culture, but like basically he was uh, or Garuda is like this uh, giant anthropomorphic like eagle creature. Yeah. And um, yeah, like. I just like used like that imagery kind of to to build upon like the story and like integrate it into like um, into like my concept. So like a little bit about you know like how nature exists, how nature is uh, powerful and beautiful and like should be respected, and then you know like the the mythology behind uh, or like their like their belief system, right? And like what we what they believe in and how that applies to okay, well this is is a being that like, came out of nature and he's like quote unquote perfect. And he was like one of a kind or like two of a kind, whatever it was. I think it was two. He has a brother or something, but anyways, I'm kind of like going on a tangent here. So like it's just all this together to say like, this is like the power of nature and like why it should be respected. And then we see like the human interaction and like nature's own, um, own agenda like playing it in itself and how it like modifies the landscape like the physical landscape of the forest, the jungle and how it applies to like someone who's, um, who's a human that's just like passing through all this stuff and they have like their own thing going on. So that's kind of how everything works together, like works in there. Are you, are you ready for the response? I mean, this is all you, man. Like if something goes wrong, it's you. If people like it, it's you. If people hate it, it's you. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Listen, the way I have, the way I, the way I've been thinking about it is, um, I've written so much material, and I'm writing so much material that if someone doesn't like something, well, it doesn't matter because, like, like the Hydra, you're going to cut one head off, but then two other heads are going to come back. So it's okay. <laughs> you can't please everyone all the time, and if you try to, it's uh, exercise in futility. Yeah. It's like I. Yeah, you know, like I'm writing stuff that that I enjoy listening to, you know, something that I would I would listen to. So because of that, I decide, you know, like there's no point to like try to follow a trend, try to create a trend. It's just be honest with myself and, and put it out there. And I think because of that, like viewpoint, I think people will either like really dig it, kind of dig it, or if they don't dig it, they won't shit on it too much. And if they do, then whatever yeah okay. i mean they it, it's 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 monkeys throwing shit at the zoo man like the the shit online like you, you you make the mistake and read the comments like you know uh i was reading earlier mike tyson said that the these keyboard warriors you know didn't grow up knowing what it's like that you know what if you're gonna get punched in the face or something and but if you're making true art you're making true art and that's all that matters yeah, it's it's a hundred percent. That's for sure. It's a hundred percent you. If, if people don't like it, it's fine. But at least you still yeah. did it, and you still tried, and you and you got it out. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, I was thinking about when we first started, was how uh, you and I and uh, a lot of our uh, compatriots uh, out there, whether we're wrestling or, or 
podcasting or making comics, um, we didn't sit around with our thumbs up our asses and cried. Um, we, we, we got to it. We, we did everything we could within the, the parameters and now we've, we have through miss. And there you go. There you go. Definitely not sitting around, uh, with my thumb up my ass on this. Like it's pretty, uh, it's pretty heavy duty, um, duty thing. So I, I don't know. I just keep, uh, I just keep at it, man. You know, like one step at a time and, there's uh i've thought ahead you know like i'm walking the path slowly slowly but there's uh there's a clear uh, a clear way that i'm uh, i'm gonna approach it and the way that i'm writing everything and creating everything so i think because of that it it helps keep me in perspective and grounded and it lets me play around too in the like in the writing process right so i think that that freedom is something that i enjoy a lot that i can just play around with it and and have fun because if I'm not having fun, there's no point in doing it. Well, in terms of thinking ahead, what are you doing? Like a Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails type thing when you decide to tour? Um, like hire some like you know accomplished guns to play your music, or is it going to be like you know the the Reznor uh, metaphor? Like if you, if you know anything about old school Nine Inch Nails, it was when he first started. It was it's always just been him until he mm-hmm. teamed with Atticus Ross. Uh, in the mid 2000s but before that it was like him and f- him playing everything and then Flood who helped engineer it doing a couple of things on stage with him and eventually he got some hired guns uh, what are you going to do? Uh, for the time being it's going to be uh, completely uh, like a complete studio project um, I don't I don't see in reality uh, a tour or anything like that it's kind of unfeasible for me right now like if if it were if it were to happen or if um i could like get some attention from people that uh, you know are able to uh to do the type of um scope that i'd look to to do then that'd be one thing but i'm not even thinking about that i'm thinking just create 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 and i don't know man maybe maybe it'll lead to just having like a, a big discography and like creating a studio uh, business on by accident or who knows it could be it could be something like that it could be something completely different I don't even know I'm, all I know is that I'm writing music and producing it so after the after the, the full length comes out which is going to be um, I think the last thing that I'm going to have someone else um, mix master and all that I think I'm going to do everything myself that's that's my my goal at least so that I can have uh, a lot of control over it. And I'm not saying that I'm like uh, I'm the best. Or I'm like super seasoned or anything, right? It's only been like a year and a half that I've really been sound, um, like sound engineering or whatever. And I'm just completely self-taught. So well, that's uh, that's where I'm looking at it. If if it ha- if it happens at a, like a big show or a festival or something, I'm not gonna turn it down. But at the same token, it's focused on creating and producing. So. There's a That's lot. Of, there's a lot of potential here. There's some serious texture to the mu- to your music. Uh, the are, are you familiar with what an what an installation piece is when it comes to like going to an art gallery? Um, uh, not really, no. Okay, so all right, so if you go to a, like a, an art gallery, you see paintings on the wall, you see photos. There's but then sometimes you go into an art gallery and it's like, um, it's 
it's immersion in terms of like the like the whole room. Let's say the like just a random thing. Like the whole room is just like nothing but like hanging like needles, and you have to navigate mm-hmm. your way around it. That's an installation piece. It's it's full immersion. Um, there's potential here. Like with what you're telling me here, I mean, if you got the right artist to do the right type of show, even if it was just you. Uh, making the music to immerse the the crowd in something completely spectacular and perfect and beautiful, despite like you know a lot of people don't equate you know metal with beauty, but mm-hmm. it's there. Um, it's there. Like, um, have you ever listened to Chelsea Wolf? Mm, no, I don't think so. She's like doomed folk metal. This woman is heavy, yeah. but it is it is it is. Um, it's all immersive and from I got the same like uh, arm uh, arm tingles listening to your music as I did when I li- when I first found Chelsea um, I'll send you a couple of her tracks uh, if anything it, it'll it'll at least inspire you left or right nice nice uh, left or right but um h- how are you gonna find your your stuff online other than like you because you sent me the the links but um like we when's the full release coming out when's an EP coming out? Uh, what's the plan? Okay, so the the debut single is out like on all the streaming platforms. So right. just searching for Through Mists for Genesis. Uh, it's on my Bandcamp as well, throughmists.bandcamp.com. Um, so that's for the debut single. Now the EP is going to be coming out November 19th. So it's four songs about uh, basically about the island of Komodo. And the full length, I've yet to um, yet to plan when it's going to come out. That one's going to have like a heavy duty press release, though. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm looking, yeah. It, it's it's something else, man. I, I'm I'm just really like it's been a it's been a hard couple of weeks uh, for me. Just a lot of weird personal stuff, but I the getting to talk to an artist like this is. Or what I live for. Well, I'm happy about that, Josh. I like it's it's tough, man. There's sometimes like you go through stuff you don't know, like maybe at the time, like you don't understand why you're going through it or what's happening or what you could do to like turn the the situation into your favor. But sometimes right. all you need is uh, is a good decompression, you know? Correct. Correct. Uh, while while I have you on the line, and this is. Nothing music related, just silly. I, I've wanted to ask you for a long time. Who's your top five Simpson characters? Because you know everything. <laughs> you, you there, like there's there's a couple people in my life that I can like. I, I will literally post it just for you, and boom, <laughs> like like uh, like I, I tagged you the other day. Like I knew you would immediately notice the chord. <laughs> it's premium, dude. <laughs> premium. Regular. Uh... I believe, okay, listen, number one is Homer, like, 100%. Um, Homer Simpson, I think, is an understated uh, hero character in society, like, in general. And I don't say that lightly. I mean it, like, big time. Guy's a doofus, and yet he works uh, works at a nuclear power plant as, like, a safety inspector. And he has, a, a like, a five- or six-bedroom house, and yeah. his wife doesn't need to work. So, yeah, the guy's got it going on. Like, I don't care if he's a big, fat oaf. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, th- th- this place, Moe's, uh, this is an institution <laughs> of... 
Uh, don't tell me you're at a bar. <laughs> What's it's open that like? pornography stuff. <laughs> My God, man, that line pops into my head too more often than I care to admit. You know, like I was pornography. <laughs> I had like some like like sometimes like at work too, like people would, would say something like, "What is that place?" Like it's a pornography store. <laughs> really? I'm like, no, it's not a pornography store. Right, number two. <laughs> God, uh, number two must it's it's my, maybe it's a little basic, but I guess it's it's Bart's because like so many stories are like focused around them yeah that like it's it's hard not to uh not to just like throw them on there like the top top five then i think ralph just because of his naivety and how he's so like he's kind of like through mists right i guess like if a simpsons character was through mist it would be ralph because just like kind of takes it as it comes and he's just like you can put him in any situation and like ralph's applicable so like there are some gags that I've seen, like even in the later seasons, that you know maybe like like they're like a little bit off uh, out of left field, where like they just throw Ralph in like for a second, and he makes like one sound, and it's hilarious. So uh, I like Man Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Man Man. <laughs> he's so he's so innocent and pure. Like he can't. I bent my Wookiee and everything. Come on, bro. Like, how can you not? And um, just for the, the steamed hams uh, segment there, Skinner is uh, is incredible. Skinner. I would say Skinner, my number four. And number five, oh, Jesus, number five, who would it have to be? Well, there's mother, there's mother now. There's mother now. <laughs> <laughs> no, mother. <laughs> he's so, that he's a perfect character like that, like, the way Skinner was written. His um, Vietnam flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I broke his brain. <laughs> was it the, uh, uh, it was locked in a tiger cage and forced to decide on a thin stew made of milk, four types milk. of rice. <laughs> it came close to madness trying to find the recipe here. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't get the quantities right. <laughs> right, number five, number five. Number five, uh... Man, it's tough. Like, I can't even, like, think. You know what? It would have to be for his uh, his versatility as, like, a foil for Homer. It would be Flanders. Just because, yeah, he's, like, you put him in anything, and, like, Homer and him, like, have this great interaction where it's just, like, he's so annoyed by him, but, like, for no reason. But then at, at a certain point, like, if you know Ned Flanders, like, in real life, you're like, okay, I get why Homer wants to punch you in the face. But, like, Ned Flanders, the character, he gets, like, such a pass because he never did anything to anybody. No. So, yeah, I would say that's my top five. And he's got a tremendous dong, too. <laughs> yeah, and all those memes about it, like, like it's a 12-panel meme, and, like, the 11 panels are just, like, the same panel copy-pasted with his dong bleeped out, you know? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my number one is Mo. I'm a I'm a heel mm. I'm a I'm a hundred percent heel guy man I I want no, mm. I want nothing to do with good guys a hundred percent Mo um, <laughs> the, the like we're 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 headed over to Mo's right now so we make sure he doesn't come to one of his Christmas accidents but at the same time yeah. like like the the fact that he he never knows Marge's name he calls her Midge all the time Midge yeah and he tries to pick her up all the time and it's he's so bad but then like 
when he met that, uh, when he had like that, that girlfriend there, I think he was uh, Helen Hunt who was playing her right. like as a guest star. And he's like, where are you going to go, baby? You're going to go get the bodies? <laughs> yes, Mo. <laughs> like, yes, Mo, I'm going to go get the bodies. <laughs> um, number two uh, is a, it, it, like, there are four different people, but together they're, I, I consider them one character, the bullies. Uh, Nelson, mm. Doff, Kearney... Uh, and Jimbo, um, the, yeah. j- just just how outlandish they are. The fact that Kearney's basically like a was like wh- what was it like? Uh, you kids would remember, but with the exception of Kearney, like for yeah. like, uh, <laughs> those uh, fireworks really brought up the nation's spirit after Watergate. Like, <laughs> his kid, <laughs> his kid sleeps in a drawer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, number three, hundred percent snake. <laughs> just classic uh his middlebury shirt uh mm. the, the 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 fact that he's just <laughs> just thinking about all this like close but no donut pig looking for the, <laughs> yeah. the, the cattle rustler they, they knock down lovejoy's door and next door there's all these cows <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and uh and wow uh, and then uh, I would say number number four is Agnes Skinner because that woman mm. she's just evil. <laughs> she is evil, man. Pure evil. I, w- I want all my. It means to- lamb, lamb of God. <laughs> Agnes, Marge. <laughs> um, I want I want all my groceries in one bag, and I don't want that bag to be heavy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and number five, I'm gonna have to. Wow. Skinner. It's hard, and eh? number five. Yeah, it's hard to it, choose number five. It's it's uh, there's. Yeah, I'm gonna say Lisa. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna say Lisa because like she has, she is so sweet, like that. She she's like when Bleeding Gums died, when Homer, you know, sold his ride on the Duff Blimp for her. Um, like she she bought Bart's soul back for him. Um, like she, mm. she's 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 so sweet, and to a lesser extent, Maggie, because like she's the one that she's she shot a couple of guys. <laughs> yeah, she shot a couple. Of guys. She's yeah. hardcore, man. Yeah, but man, it has been an absolute pleasure to to speak with you, minefielders. Uh, actually, you know, I was thinking, uh, Tony and I uh, were thinking about uh, road trip ideas, and I was I kept saying Montreal, Montreal. So I'm thinking next year we're gonna have to do an anniversary show as well. But I think we need to go to Montreal. Nice I think we need to go to Montreal for that one and find a way for him to get booked. And then me doing portraits all the time. Like we've we've got a nice little system here. But um, it's it's been a pleasure, man. There's one other thing I want to talk to you about off camera. But uh, how do mm-hmm. we how do we find you on um, uh, social media? Okay, so uh, social media, <clears throat> it's uh, Facebook.com/slash/throughmists. Uh, just like straight one word. Um, Instagram, it's uh, at through underscore mists. Uh, Twitter is uh, at through mists. And so, and I think the last one is Bandcamp, which would be through mists.bandcamp.com. Awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. We're about to premiere your, your track on the show with uh, a uh, Psycho of the Week. And uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Again, don't hang up. This transmission is over, and this is dangerous.